Amen. Wonderful message in that song tonight. And I can't say it enough how much I appreciate all of those who step up and fill in on a moment's notice. I mean, with all these things going on uh, lately, a lot of these decisions have been made on a moment's notice. And I know it's an inconvenience for those who attend and come to be a part of our services. Uh, I assure you it's even more of an inconvenience for those who serve because we have to make changes at the last minute. And as I mentioned, I think it was about 10.30 last night that we uh, made this decision to go ahead and move forward with going live stream today. And I appreciate those who came and filled in. And we had a little extra staff fill in today. And we don't have any positive diagnosis in our staff right now. Um, but we have, uh, have some symptoms here and there that we want to be extra careful about. And we'll talk about that here in just a few minutes. And so I appreciate our staff being willing to work with us on that and love them very much and praying for them. And you pray that God will keep them healthy. We need every one of them up at 100%. Uh, not to mention, right now we're going into the Christmas holiday season. I know they want to be healthy for that as well. And so thank you so much for all those who've worked hard to keep this thing going in these, uh, these different times that we're living in. Um, sometimes, you know, it boils down to you just got to do what you got to do with, uh, with what you've got to work with. And right now we have circumstances that we would rather not have to work with. Uh, but we've got to work with them. And I think this is good for our children to see that we are continuing to worship God and gather together as best we can under the circumstances. I don't see this as being a long-term thing. Uh, if need be, we would try to make arrangements where you could be on property in one way or the other, even if we had to get in the parking lot again. Uh, don't get that sick feeling in the pit of your stomach. We're not planning on that just yet. Um, but I, I, I believe we just need to do what we have to do. And uh, the Lord makes it clear we need to do something. We just need to do that and uh, grunt it out. I told one of our deacons last night, I don't like it any more than you do, but I do believe we're doing what we need to do. And uh, let's just prove to the Lord that we are serious about our service and our worship to him, and we're going to do whatever it takes. I've mentioned many times early on in March and April, the underground churches in China, how they worship God in very hostile environments, and churches in Egypt, churches in Saudi Arabia, they're always under the watchful eye of persecution, and they meet uh, underground in houses and uh, in brush uh, meadows out in areas of the woods. They just do what they have to do under the circumstances they're living in, and regardless of your take on this virus, we're just going to do what we have to do, and I want to encourage you, do what you have to do and uh, Lord willing, we'll be past this sooner than later, but uh, I do pray we'll allow God to refine us through this, and I do believe he's doing that. I know he's at least doing that in my heart. Take your Bibles out tonight. Uh, I'm going to preach a very short thought, I think, okay? I think. Uh, if the Lord decides to stretch it, he has been known to multiply things. You know, he fed 5,000 with uh, five loaves and two fishes, and he could take a very short thought that I have tonight, very small burden on my heart, uh, and he could stretch it out if he wants to, but I don't believe he will. I have several things that I want to go over with you tonight at the end of our service as far as our schedule is concerned, and uh, I, uh, I want to spend as much time as we need to on that. So uh, Romans chapter number one, if you're there, just remain seated. Uh, unless you're Macy, then you can stand up. Romans chapter 1, verse number 1, the Bible says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. I'd love to preach on that if the Lord give me liberty, but that's not the message tonight. Verse number 2, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, 
by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. Now here, here comes, after the introduction, what he has to say. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God. This is our key text tonight, verse number eight. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Let's read verse eight again. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. And we're going to stop there. We'll preach out of verse number eight tonight. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless. Lord, thank you tonight again for the privilege of being here. Thank you for the music. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to come and worship. And I thank you for your word, how it's quick and powerful and has something for us tonight. Help us, Lord, receive this thought. Help us be changed by it. Lord, I pray that we not just hear this, but become doers of the word as well. We allow your word to do in us and through us what you desire it to be done tonight. Pray you give me liberty and recollection and great grace, Lord, as we preach under the circumstances. And I just pray your will will be done through what we have to say tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I was thinking this afternoon that as we go into this Christmas season, uh, it's kind of a double doozy just a little bit because not only are we going into that season, but we're also kind of reaching the beginning of the end of the year. Uh, we've rolled over into, I guess, what is the 6th? Today's December the 6th, and I uh, have just uh, a few days left here in 2020. And uh, although 2020 has not been one that we would really want to look back and remember a whole lot, uh, this time of the year is naturally a time where we get reminiscent of, uh, of events and opportunities that we've had throughout uh, the last uh, 11 months. Uh, every time that song comes on, Auld Lang Syne comes on, it kind of makes you start to reminisce, doesn't it? It's kind of a sad song. A little bit, and you start thinking about the year and opportunities you had and the good times you had, and thinking about maybe those that we lost during 2020 that went home to be with the Lord. And aren't you thankful tonight that when uh, when it's a child of God, we haven't lost them, we know where they're at. But you start reminiscing, looking back on the year, and then you're also looking forward as you prepare for the new year that's right around the corner. I mean, in less than a month, it's going to be 2021, and uh, I don't know if 2021 is going to be much different. I hope it is. I hope it's a brand new year. Uh, with new opportunities. We leave a lot in 2020, but at least we won't have to say 2020 as much anymore because it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Or for those of you with COVID, it leaves no taste with your mouth. Amen? Uh, boom We could go on with that one. Uh, but as we look back at 2020, you know, they say hindsight's 2020, right? Hindsight is 2020. We're looking back and we're here in the last month, we're in the 12th month, and we're looking back on this year. Uh, as a pastor, you look back at, at successes and you look back at failures. I have a, a motto around our household. I share it with my daughter often. Uh, it's a personal motto of mine. It's been that for years, and it's that life is about getting it right. And I like to look back at my successes, but really be honest with you, I like to look back at my failures, see where I messed up maybe on Saturday and make amends on Sunday, do better on Sunday, and try to get things right as we go on with life. And oftentimes as we look, uh, look back, hindsight is 2020. Uh, we see very clearly at things we did, opportunities we had, successes and failures, and whether it's something you were proud about or something you were embarrassed about, hindsight is indeed 2020. 
I'm sure all of us at some point in 2020 had uh, maybe an outfit that we purchased that we thought looked really good. And as I used to tell my young people as a youth pastor, I said, look, just because it looks good on the mannequin doesn't mean it looks good on you. And boy, have I figured that out for myself. Uh, as many times I've tried to, to look cool and I just figure that it's not going to happen. I'm just thankful that I have a wife uh, who doesn't require that I be cool or maybe a hairdo that you got. You look back uh, over 2020 and you tried a new hairdo, maybe a new hair color. Uh, I just like to try some new hair, to be honest with you. That's what I'd like to try. And you tried something that didn't work out all too well and you're like, make a note of that. In 2021, we're not going to make that mistake over again. Or maybe it was just some of your life choices in general. And you look back and you see that things are are not what you'd like them to be, and you're going to try to make changes for the future. Now, obviously, hindsight is too late to really be thinking about uh, changing those things for the past because you're past. That's why it's called hindsight or behind us. It's behind us, and we can no longer change that. It's something that is in the record of uh, the history of this year for us personally, and we can't do anything about the past, but we can take the lessons from the past, and we can always apply them to new opportunities in the future. I remember when I was in junior high school, I was never really prone to peer pressure. Uh, I just never liked somebody trying to invoke their will upon me. And so peer pressure never really had a big impact on me. Uh, but I, didn't, I did not mind being a part of the group when I could be a part of the group. And our football team was doing really well. Our basketball team had won a championship. Our football team was going to try to do the same thing. And, uh, and so I forget why we did this. We were teenage boys, and uh, we have really good ideas. They seem good at the moment, and then they don't turn out to be good ideas later. And we had this idea that we were going to get our hair cut all to match. Now, something like that, I would normally get the permission of my dad. My dad, uh, you know, he likes me to look like a man, have a good close haircut. And uh, this was going to be a good close haircut, but the only problem was it was just half of my head. Uh, that was back then when the style was where you come in and you cut this part all the way to the scalp and you leave this part up top and you look like a mushroom. Why we thought that was a good idea, I don't know. But, you know, what? I, I thought this is just a fun thing going to be part of the football team, you know, and we're all going to have the same haircut. And I remember when I got home, my dad, I had a hat on. My dad walks in and kind of looks and he looks again. I notice he's staring. Is he a haircut? I said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He said, man, like you got kind of close there. I said, yeah. And he pulled my hat off. Now, I knew he was probably not a haircut he was really going to like, but I didn't think he would take such drastic action as he did. He looked at it, and he says, why don't, why don't we go for a ride? And so that's usually not a good time, a good thing when your dad says, let's go for a ride. Went to a ride and went down to Collins, Mississippi at Sanford's Barbershop. Mr. Sanford believed in a good military-style closed haircut, and uh, he told Mr. Sanford he wanted all of it the same length as the sides, which were virtually not even there. He said, but leave a little bit on the top. I want to show him how I used to fix my hair when I was a teenager. It's my dad speaking. And so he got it all cut. He asked Mr. Sanford, he says, do you have any butch wax? Uh, I have yet to see it since, and I don't even know if I know exactly what it is, but it's this little tin with a metal lid on it, and it had this goo in it that looked like something you would grease a piece of machinery with. And he gets him a big old daub of that, and my dad just slicks it back in my hair, and he says, I think you ought to wear it to school just a couple of days just like that. He'd get arrested today in 2020 for doing something like that because they don't let you be parents much anymore in the world we're living in. But uh, looking back on that, that was a horrible decision horrible decision, but I had to learn that the hard way, and ever since then, I've only got my hair cut the way that my wife likes me to get my hair cut, and we've had a happy 15 years of marriage, but it grew out, and then it fell out, but it grew out and got back to normal, but understand this tonight, not all decisions give us a second chance. 
Not all decisions are like my haircut are going to give us a second chance to grow back and, and get it right the second go round. That's why we've got to look forward toward the decisions we're going to make based on how we want to look back at them. Are, are you with me tonight? Uh, at least the eight or nine that are in here tonight are with me, all right? I hope you're amening to your television or to your cell phone. The only way we're going to make amends for past decisions we can't change is to learn from them and look forward to the next decisions, thinking how we want to look back on them in that hindsight. Now, in spite of 2020 being an unusual year, uh, we should still be looking back at seeing how we can do things better in the upcoming year, and now's the time to do that. Why? Because we're not at 2021 yet, and I hope over the next few Sunday nights as we build up towards 2021, we can begin preparing ourselves to look back on 2020, uh, 2021 as a year that we pleased the Lord. Now, notice Romans chapter number one. We're going to focus in on one verse where Paul is giving a commendation to the church. In verse number seven, he says, to all that be in Rome, and then he says first in verse number eight, we're going to focus on really this one thing that he had to say in verse eight. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Now, there's three things, believe it or not, in verse number eight that I believe should be a prayer for our church. When I read this, I couldn't help but think about Central, him addressing this to Central Baptist Church in verse number seven. And I couldn't help but think how wonderful it would be if the Lord looked upon us in verse number 8 and had this testimony. And I can't help but desire these character traits, these three character traits that he commended them for. And this is what I'm praying for our church. And so tonight I want to share with you right quick, if we could, a thought on the hope of our hindsight. The hope of our hindsight. Now, if we want to have a good hindsight as we go into 2021, we're going to have to set our sights on what we're hoping to have when the year is over. And we must understand that if we desire to have it later, we've got to make it a priority now. We're not at 2021 yet, but we've got to make 2021 a priority that we want to look back on it uh, and be hopeful and joyful about what God did through our church. So let's see three things of uh, the hope of our hindsight tonight, if we could. Now, verse 8, he says this, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Now notice he's thanking God. He's thankful that they have been faithful. He says, I'm thankful your faith is spoken of throughout the entire world. And he's commending them for their unwavering conviction toward God. Now I don't know about you, but that's something I'd like to look back on every day, every year, every month of my life. I'd like to look back in hindsight and be thankful, thankful to see that I was faithful to God, that I had unwavering conviction to the will and to the word of God. So the first hope of our hindsight tonight is this. It's a faithful focus. Paul is looking at this church and he's commending this church. and He says, I'm looking back on your record. I'm looking back on what you've done and you've been faithful. He says, I thank God that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Now, I want you to understand, in order to look back in hindsight and have a faith that's spoken of throughout the entire world, you've got to make being faithful a focus. It's got to be a priority for you. While we were up in Louisiana, we were talking a little bit about the weight that I, I've lost. I've been trying to work on that. And now somebody asked, you know, how, did, how you've been doing that, what you've been working on. I said, I've had to make that like a priority in my life. Used to, you could just lose it, couldn't you, Brother Michael? Or maybe you still can. I don't know. 
Uh, but I've gotten to the place where it doesn't just fall off here and there. I actually have to work at it and make a priority of it. Now, understand this tonight. Regardless of what we're going through, we will desire, I have no doubt, we will desire to look back on the upcoming year having a faithful focus. We want to be counted faithful by God. But we're not going to be counted faithful by God if that doesn't become a focus of ours. It must become a priority of ours. Now, I'll be honest with you, on a good day, it's hard to be faithful, isn't it? On a good day, when the weather's right and you feel good and you get up early enough, it's still hard to be faithful to read our Bibles. It's still hard to be faithful to spend time in prayer. It's still hard to be faithful to witness. That's on a good day. It's been a while since we've had one of those, isn't it? That, must, that means we must apply more effort. Now, here's something I want to focus in on in this first point. Oftentimes, we cheapen faithfulness by relegating it simply to church attendance, okay? We cheapen the term faithful by relegating that term simply to mean I, I came to church three times a week. Uh, look, tonight, if that's what faithfulness means to you and being faithful means to you, you're barely scratching the surface of what it means to God, and remember, when we stand before God, it's God the one that's going to judge whether we were faithful or not. Matthew 25, well done, thou good and faithful servant. It was the master who gave the decree that they were faithful. And so we've got to understand what God's definition of faithfulness is. And tonight, faithfulness is not just being faithful to attend to the house of God. Faithfulness includes a faithfulness to the word of God. That means we're not only sitting here with a copy of the Word of God, but we're living out the Word of God in our life. That's being faithful to the Word of God. And then there's being faithful to the will of God. I mean, if we're going to be deemed faithful by God, we're going to have to be willing not only to come to the house of God when we can, but be faithful to the Word and the will of God even in between. This is where something has really hit home with me in the past few months. I've mentioned this to a lot of you. Some of you I've told personally, some on the phone. I've even wrote some of you in, in, uh, in the mail. And how important it is that we maintain personal accountability. You know, right now you don't have the, the pastor to be there at your door all the time. I mean, right now I'm not making any in-home visits oh, as, of, as of now. Last week we did, but as of now we're not. I don't want to spread this thing from people to people. We've got a lot of vulnerable people in our church. And then they may not be vulnerable, but they may have someone in their life that's vulnerable. And we try to be careful of that, be sensitive to that. And so now the pastor's not there to see when you're gone. I don't know who attended church today. Well, I do know you few you did, two, four, six, eight. There's eight of them in here tonight. Man, we increased from the morning service. Man, the Lord's growing our church. We had seven this morning. We have eight tonight. The Lord's building his church even in times of quarantine. I don't know who is faithful today. I don't know who watched live stream. I don't know who turned it on and went and put it in the back bedroom or maybe under their bed where they couldn't hear me and went on to watch Will of Fortune or something like that. I don't know who is faithful. God knows who's faithful. And I assure you it's going to matter one day that you look back in hindsight and be found faithful. But you're going to have to be personally accountable. I can't tell you which services are going to be in, which services are going to be out. I mean, I was planning on being here less than 12 hours before we were here. I mean, 12 hours before we came into this building this morning, I was planning on everybody being here, and it changed in an instant. But it still doesn't mean that you can't be faithful. And I promise you, you're going to want to look back throughout this entire ordeal one day when this thing planes out and we get back to some semblance of normalcy, you're going to want to look back in hindsight and say, hey, it was tough, I hated every minute of it, but I was faithful. That means you've got to be personally accountable to make that a priority in your life. You know, this church, he's writing to this church here, but this church is made up of individuals. This is why in 1 Timothy chapter 1, what did Paul say? Why was Paul in the ministry? 
Did a church get together and just vote and say, you know what, this guy has got a silver tongue and a good education. We want him to be a preacher. No, where did Paul's call come from? Listen to what he said in 1 Timothy 1, verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Paul's call to ministry was a direct reflection upon his faithfulness. By the way, if you want to get to know me personally, I follow that track right there for folks I use in our ministry. I think, you know, I got everybody want to be a part of something, but you got to be faithful. You got to be faithful. This is God's criteria. Well done, now good and faithful. And Paul says, watch this. He enabled me, personal pronoun, correct, Brother Michael? Me. For that he counted me, personal pronoun, faithful, putting me into the ministry. Notice it was a personal thing. God looked down at Paul and he said he's been faithful and he put him into the ministry. Now, folks, understand tonight. We're going to want to look back at the end of this upcoming year and find in hindsight that we were faithful to God based on what he called faithful. And faithful is not only to the house of God, it's to the word of God and the will of God as well, but you're going to have to be personally accountable. Preacher's not always going to be there. Sunday school teacher's not always going to be there. Your care group leader's not always going to be there. You're going to have to be personally accountable to be faithful. Now, what is being faithful? I want to help you understand that. We're going to go back and forth to Hebrews a little bit tonight. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11, the Hall of Fame of Faith. And let's look at verse 6 together. We're going to have faith and faithfulness defined. Hebrews eleven six. 6, the Bible says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Now, do you see that? We're getting a definition of what faithfulness is. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Can I tell you what faithfulness simply is? Let's redefine faithfulness tonight. Faithfulness is not just coming and sitting in a chair, all right? There's a lot of people that are faithful to his house that are not faithful to his word. I know a lot of people that are faithful to church every Sunday, but they're not faithful to his will. Because just because you're here doesn't mean you're with him. Are you with me? All right? Just because you're showing up doesn't mean you're faithful. What is faithfulness? Verse 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Faithfulness is simply pleasing God, all right? Pleasing God. Faithfulness to God is pleasing him and glorifying him in each and everything we do. That's what the Bible says. That whatsoever we do, whether we eat or we drink, do all to the glory of God. We're being faithful to him. We're pleasing him. And tonight, if we're going to have a hindsight that says we were faithful, we've got to choose that what we do is going to be pleasing to God. We've made a lot of decisions that I've never, ever in a million years thought I'd have to make as a pastor just in the past few months. Obviously, made one last night at 1030. A lot of decisions that, uh, uh, well, I can tell you, every decision that I've made has not pleased everybody. And I wish that I could. I really do. I'm staring into the camera tonight talking to everybody out there. I wish I could please all of you and make all of you happy. But we know that's a non-starter, isn't it? I try to teach my daughter this. She's growing up. She's a teenager. And there's all those pressures in life. And please this person. Please this person. I said, Miley, I assure you. Uh, if you can see her face, she's smiling because she knows we have this conversation a lot. You just please God. If you please God, you'll do fine. If you focus on pleasing God, look, there's no higher standard than pleasing God. Just fight and work to be faithful to please him. And if you please God, watch this, you'll be deemed faithful. That's what faithfulness is. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So in order to please God or to be faithful, we've got to make sure that all that we do is according to what he would desire that we do. Hebrews 11, 5, the Bible says, by faith, you look back in that same chapter, one verse ahead, by faith, Enoch was translated. They should not see death and was not found because God translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Do you know one word that is not in there? 
You're not going to see the word faithful in verse number five, but Enoch was faithful. Why? Because he pleased God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, folks, I assure you, I'm going to do my best to, if I can please God and, and everybody else, and we're going to do that if we can. But ultimately, it's God's desire and calling upon my life that I please him, not only as an individual, but as pastor of Central Boundaries Church. And I assure you, if we'll seek to focus on pleasing him, then he will look and he will deem us that we were faithful. Now, what's the conflict? The conflict in being faithful is there's often things that are going to vie for your faithfulness. They want your attention. They want your time. And this is the, the battle for our entire life. In Acts chapter 5, what did Peter say when they said, look, we, we don't want you to speak or preach in his name anymore. Uh-oh. Peter's got to decide, who am I going to listen to? Do I please these guys over here? Do I please God? What am I going to do? What did he say in verse 29? You know it well. It says, and Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Do you know what he's saying there without saying it? We've got to be faithful. We've got to be faithful. We've got to please him. We've got to please him. Peter wanted to be found faithful to God. Look, folks, if we're going to stand before God one day and hear well done, it begins by deciding right now in this life to please him. That's why in Matthew 25, we see the parable of the talents. What did he say? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Why were the two counted faithful and the one unfaithful? It was all about their focus. One was focused on pleasing the master. The other was focused on his fears. And when he focused on his fears, he couldn't please the master. And so what, whether we hear well done and whether or not we are faithful to God, it's all going to revolve around what our focus is. And if we'll focus on pleasing God, then we will be counted faithful. Remember this, and I'll give you number two. Faithfulness is maintained through a desire to please God. Faithfulness is maintained through a desire to please God. Watch how this works. If your desire, your focus, number one, is to please God, you'll be faithful to church. You don't have to put in your mind, I've got to be faithful to church, I've got to be faithful to church, I've got to be faithful to church, and you just drill it, and you just write it. I had a friend of ours at their house yesterday, she wouldn't mind me saying this, because uh, I doubt she's going to watch it anyway, but walking out their door, she had a post-it note that says, turn off the curling iron. She had a note there, turn off the curling iron. And I'm like, yes, how often do you have one of those moments where you're like, did we turn that off? Oh, my goodness, my house is burning down. Before, before you even get on your trip, you know, the house is already burned down to the slab because you think you left something plugged in. She left herself a note. To remind her, i got to make sure I do that. You don't have to write yourself notes. Watch this. Go to church today. If you just remind yourself to please God. If you please God, you'll be faithful to his house. If your desire and focus is to please God, you'll be faithful to his word. If your desire and your focus, listen, is to please God, you'll be faithful to his will. That's why that one takes care of all of the rest. Why Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, he says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Listen close. Endure hardness. He said, hey, it's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. He says, you won't get tangled up in all of that stuff if your desire and focus is to please the one who's called you. And that way he found out how to be faithful. So number one, what are we looking at? We're looking at the hope of our hindsight. And our hindsight should be, we want to have a faithful focus that God says, Central Baptist Church and you and your family were faithful. But let's keep reading. Back in Romans chapter 1, verse number 8, he says that your faith, or go back if you will, the first part. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. Now notice that. Notice who he is thankful for. First, I, am, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. He's not just commending an individual. He's not just saying, hey, man, this guy did good and this guy did good. He says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. 
Now, what's interesting here is we're seeing the second hope of our hindsight. We're seeing a collective commitment, a collective commitment. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. He said, you held it together. He said, I'm thankful for not only the faithfulness of the individuals, but the faithful of the group. You've had a collective commitment, and he's commending them of their faith, and their faith by being faithful to God and faithful to his house and faithful to be committed to one another has earned them God's praise that their faith is spoken of throughout the entire world. What a testimony. What a testimony. Now, folks, look. When we look back on 2020, I don't know who we got and who we don't got. I can say that honestly. I, I, hope, I, I hope I think I know who we got and who we don't got. You know, you never know. I talked to a pastor Wednesday night, Brother Tool, down in, uh, at Lighthouse of Theodore, and I said, how's your church doing throughout all of this? He says, our core is intact. He says, but we've, we've lost a few people that weren't all the way in. Those are always the first to go. Those people that were half in, half out, those are the first people that always go. It, just, it, just, it simply happens. You, listen, you've got to be locked in to hold on before something like this comes or else this is going to bounce you out of the will of God. What is that? That's a faithful commitment, a collective commitment. He says, you know what? We'll come back, and they're doing good on their, their uh, attendance. We're doing good on our attendance. But, folks, I don't know who we've got right now. But I assure you the ones that we're going to have when it's all said and done are those who had a collective commitment. This is where God called me. This is our church. This is our church home. This is where God wants us. And we've committed to this place in spite of the circumstances that see, seek to try to drive us out. That early church in the book of Acts, I'm going to hurry that early church in the book of Acts, so often we reference the words that they continued together in one accord. What did God do through that church? He added to the church daily such as should be saved. That church still serves as a pattern for us to look at today at what God will do with a group of people that have a collective commitment together. We've got to be collected in our commitment that to the house of God where God's called us and to the work of God where he has called us to serve. Or else we're not going to be deemed faithful. In hindsight, we're going to see, you know what? I was not as committed as I should have been, even in the times we had to be in live stream. You ought to be just committed to the live stream as you are being here in person. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse number 19. Turn there with me, if you will. Nehemiah chapter number 4. I can find it. There we go. Nehemiah chapter 4. I want you to look down to a verse right quick that is always, um, always stuck with me, particularly the last few months. Here they are building this wall. You go back and you read chapters 2 and 3, you'll see a big, great list of people that are helping that work. Just as our work takes a lot of people to get this work to where God would have it to be. And we look down at this great work that's taking place in Nehemiah chapter number 4. The Bible says in verse 19, and I said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, the work is great and large, and we are separated upon the wall, one far from another. In what place, therefore, ye hear the sound of the trumpet, resort ye thither unto us, our God shall fight for us. So we labored in the work, and half of them held the spears in the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. You notice verse number 19, he says, the work is great as our work here is great. And he says, notice that it's large and we're separated upon the wall, one far from another. Right now, we are separated on our wall. Right now, our work is as spread out as we've ever been spread out, uh, for sure, since I've been here, probably the history of our church. We have never been spread out the way we're spread out right now. 
But even in the midst of them being spread out, you know what they were doing? They were all continuing to be committed to the work of the wall. Even though they were spread out in different places, far from one another, and tonight we're spread out far. Our members are everywhere in Covington County, Forest County, Lamar County. I mean, we're spread out all over South Mississippi, and we're tuning in by a live stream. But even though we're spread out far, let's be committed to the calling of the work of Central Baptist Church. And I assure you of this, listen, it wasn't something they took a vote decided where they're going to be committed. Being committed collectively begins with the individual responsibility of every member. That I'm called to this work. This is where God's called me. Good times or bad, it's a lot like a marriage. And good for better, for worse. Sometimes it's better, sometimes it's worse. But you're committed, aren't you? Why? Because that's what God's called you to. And that's the one you love. And that's the one that loves you. And you're going to be committed to the work of that marriage and that home. Now, our church is the same way. We're spread out right now. But we've got to have a collective commitment to what God's called us to. And that begins with personal priority. The first one was a personal responsibility, but now is a personal priority that I'm going to be committed. I'm going to be committed to the live stream when I have to be. I'm going to be committed in person when we have the opportunity to be. I'm going to be committed in my giving and my missions giving. I'm going to be committed to the church body. I'm going to call people and check on them. I'm going to call those that are mentioned on the prayer list. I'm going to write them a letter. What are you doing? You're staying collectively committed to the work of God. And if we do that, then we'll be deemed faithful in hindsight of what God's called us to do. But we've got to decide that we're going to do that personally. What did Joshua say? Choose you. Once again, personal pronoun. He's talking to an entire group, but he's speaking to the individuals in the group. Choose you this day whom you are going to serve. But as for me and as for mine, that's personal. I thought about this this afternoon. You know, the group that ended up in the promised land looked a lot different than the group that started out for the promised land. Think about that. The group that started off and we're going to be strong and we're going to possess what God's given us, that group looked a whole lot different than the group who actually entered in the promised land. What was the difference? Commitment. They weren't committed. They didn't make it to the promised land. They didn't make it through the wilderness. Right now we're in the wilderness and you'll not survive it without a collective commitment to what God's calling you to. And God's calling us to faithfulness. And we ought to be personally committed, but it's a priority and responsibility of every individual of this church Regardless of what happens, look, preacher makes a decision you don't like. Hey, be personally responsible and committed to the house of God. Because I assure you, look, I'm going to give an account to God for it. You ought to sit back and say, oh, he's going to be in trouble when he gets in heaven because he canceled church. You don't have to give an account for it. I do. And I assure you, it's something to take very, very seriously. So number two, they look back and Paul says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. And I want you to know something. Look, I'm not griping at all tonight. I am thankful for you all. We were able to come back here on that first Sunday after being gone so long, and the church was near about full, and choirs started singing, and people started crying. I couldn't tell you how thankful I was for you that you'd survived this. Now, we've got to be committed in this new time. They were having to be away, I hope, for just one week. Finally, look down at what he said, and I'll close with this. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Notice, in hindsight, not only was their faithfulness in view of Paul's hindsight, but the Bible says it was spoken of throughout the whole world. And what we see is the testimony of their faithfulness is now influencing others. I'll tell you, as a pastor, oh, that's something my heart craves for our church right now, is that our faithfulness throughout this time is going to influence others. We've got to let that light shine. So number three, the third hope 
of our hindsight is an unwavering witness. An unwavering witness. My prayer is that when all is said and done, you know the statistic right now is minimal 30% loss of membership because of COVID. I'm not talking about through death. I'm talking about through just a falling away from the church, 30%. Pastors I talk to, I've talked to some who've had 50%, and I've even talked to some churches that have closed. COVID has just taken a, a toll on everybody. And you say, well, if you were just in church, it wouldn't happen. No, if you're just personally responsible and committed, it wouldn't happen. That's the truth of the matter. Because it takes being in the building all the time. Folks, I tell you, when things get really rough and we have to go underground as a church, you're not going to make it. Now's the time when the true worshipers need to be worshiping however we have to. But I want, you, I want you to notice something. The Bible says their faith was spoken of throughout the whole world. They had an unwavering witness. My prayers for Central Baptist Church, in hindsight, we look back and eight or nine months, it was difficult. We hated it. We hated having to be outside. We hated having to be live streamed. I mean, maybe you don't hate having to be live streamed. Maybe you're sitting at home right now eating Cheetos or Pringles and you've got me on the cell phone and you're watching a football game. Shame on you if you are. I pray that God gives you liaria for that. That's what we tell our kids. If you lie, cheat, or steal at camp, you're going to get liaria, and uh, I'll let you figure out what that means, okay? So if you're watching a football game, prepare. It's coming, okay? My prayer is you'll have an unwavering witness that will look back as much as we hated what we had to do. We were unwavering in our witness. And people looked at the people of Central Baptist Church and they never quit. They never gave up. They were unwavering. Hebrews 10, I want to read you this verse and we'll close. Hebrews chapter 10, and I want you to look down to verse 23. The Bible says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. Do you know, one of the things that ought to motivate us to be faithful is the fact that God is faithful. He says, let us hold fast without wavering. You know what that is? That's faithfulness. Let's be faithful. Let's stick it out. Let's be committed. Let's have an unwavering witness. Why? For he is faithful that promised. God's going to be faithful to us. God's not going to give up on us. God's not going to leave us alone. God's going to give us grace. God's going to give us power. God's going to hold this thing together. But the Bible says we've got to hold fast the profession of our faith. A good friend of mine, Brother Jared Decker, went home to be the Lord a couple years ago. As a matter of fact, it's about two years ago this month, I believe it is, right before Christmas. And I was 35 years old, had five kids, pastored uh, Grandview Pines Baptist Church up in Alabama. And he had worked up his theme for 2019, I believe it was. He worked up his theme. And his theme was going to be Hebrews 10, 23, without wavering. Like ours is engaged, theirs was going to be without wavering. He had the banners made. He had all of the handouts, the bulletins made. Had all the graphics made. I mean, this guy is, is way more organized than I am. He had it all ready before 2019 could ever roll into view, he'd draw his last breath and the Lord would take him home. And how fitting it was that he had left his church with one final message of without wavering. God had already prepared his heart to prepare his people for what they were going to need. They were going to need to be without wavering. And oh, how that was a theme for that church in 2019. If they would call in a new pastor to be without wavering. And I have to say, what a blessing it's been to watch them. I not only watched his dear wife and their five wonderful children, I watched their church and they didn't waver. And it was a testimony to me. 
their faith was spoken of to me. And I look at our church, and our church is such a special place. Our people are such special people. And my prayer is that we'll not only just be good people, but we'll be godly people. We'll not just be faithful to church, we'll be faithful to God. So much so that our faith will be spoken of throughout the world. That your neighbors will see your faithfulness, that you didn't quit. That they'll see that even though times we couldn't be in the house of God, you got up, you got your family together, you got on the couch, and you were faithful to the service of God and the word of God and the will of God. You were faithful, and that just speaks volumes of an unwavering witness. Tonight, I hope that God has stirred our heart just a little bit that we have a hope for our hindsight. What do we want to see? You see, now's the time to look forward at what we want to look back on. We want to look back and say, you know what? We look at those people, and they had a faithful focus. Man, we may have hated all that we had to do in the in and out and the services in, all that. But man, had a faithful focus. And not only did they have a faithful focus, they had an unwavering witness because they have a collective commitment. Let's be commitment, committed to the will and the work and the word of God now as we go into this new year so we can look back and see what God did through our faithfulness tonight. Let's go ahead and bow our heads, close our eyes.